Good evening, everyone. Oh, we're going to have a great time tonight. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. Let's welcome all the first-timers here tonight. I love it when the body of Christ gets together. So we're going to learn tonight going through our series, Being Spirit-Filled and Being Spirit-Led. And so we've been uh, talking about that throughout the past couple of weeks. Some of you have been in with the book of James and you're going through the book of James. You're learning about it. And you're also, uh, some of you are also going through the marriage uh, class and that's been beneficial for you too. So if you don't know what we do on Wednesday nights, uh, we, call it, we call it equip and disciple because we're here to be equipped so that we can do the works of the ministry. And we also are disciples of Jesus Christ. We're learning from him. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. Like when you watch The Karate Kid for the first time, you're learning that Mr. Miyagi is a teacher and daniel son is the disciple. He's a learner. If you did not see that movie, you must see it. And you're going to watch and you're going to think, really, you're recommending this movie? Yes, you need to know, sweep the leg. So if you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then uh, you're going to learn what a disciple is tonight. So I'm going to ask you if you're in one of the other groups, you can break up and go for it. And tonight, I'm going to ask you if you're in here to open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. And we've been going through this passage of scripture in the past couple of weeks. And we're, we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit fills us up. And how we're led by the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, if you're going to take some notes, just write down this as the title. You can write down tonight as our series title, Being Spirit-Filled and Being Spirit-Led. Romans chapter 8. And then if you want the subtitle for it specifically tonight, we're going to talk about the conducting of the Holy Spirit. Conducting. Okay, remember that word the conducting of the Holy Spirit. It's a long title, but that's okay. You can, you're going to remember it after tonight. The conducting of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say conducting. There's only three syllables, so it's not that hard. Conducting. So Romans chapter 8, I'll read from verse 1 to about verse 14. And if you have your Bibles, you might have a different version. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And so here's verse, verse 1, Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. In other words, what the Bible is saying is Jesus had to die in the flesh to put the flesh to death. Normally we follow our flesh. Jesus died in the flesh. So when his spirit lives in us, that's the power we receive so that we can die to our flesh, our fleshly ways, our worldly ways. The flesh is opposite of God. The flesh will always move opposite of where God is moving. If you know the story about Jonah and the big fish, Jonah ran away from the Lord. In other words, he followed his flesh and he fled from the presence of God. And it continues in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So it's already saying that when you live by the flesh, your mind is set. Have you ever said that to someone? Oh, let them go. He's set in their ways. 
He's never going to change. She's never going to change. They're just set in their ways. In other words, what you're saying is they're just set in their flesh. Their flesh has set their minds to a certain way of thinking. So it's almost like you lost hope in that person because you're saying they've already had, their mind is set. Or when you go shopping and someone says, no, don't, go, don't buy that. And you're saying, no, you cannot stop her. Her mind is already set. Her mind is made up. You cannot stop a shopper from shopping no matter what. And then you and your husband can deal with it when you go home. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So when we follow our fleshly ways, no matter how good we're trying to be in our flesh, we just cannot please God in our flesh. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And Paul is encouraging the believers that you're not in the, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, so he's kind of wrapping this all up. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself, actually I'm going to verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So Paul is giving just a, a snapshot picture of how we follow the flesh and what happens when we follow the flesh, that we end in death. But if we follow the spirit, then we end in life. In other words, we end up being glorified with God. Like if you ever saw someone who followed their flesh and they're just going down the wrong road and you just, you feel so bad for them and you, maybe you try your best to help them, but they just don't listen. And so you just got to let them go to their ways so that their ways teach them more than the spirit of God is trying to because they're just not hearing you. Why? Because they're set in their ways. Their mind is set. But when we follow the spirit, the end result is not death. The end result is being glorified together with Christ. That when someone sees you move away from your flesh and you're saying, no, I want to follow the spirit of God. When you follow his spirit and you do the things that God is asking you to do, then people would look at that and say, wow, that's amazing that he, he was able to or she was able to go against what normally would have happened. And so they glorify God with you because you were able to live by the Spirit. You followed God's Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit conducted your life. 
See, a conductor is one who conducts a symphony, one who orchestrates and directs a symphony. If you've ever been to a symphony, like I think that's the coolest person in the whole entire symphony, the conductor. I, I, yeah, the, the band is good or the symphony is good. You, you can see those on the violin and some of them, they just get crazy. It's like, and they go crazy. And then you have some with the tuba, boom, 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 boom. Or guys at trumpets and trombones. And then you see all of that or the little flutes. But there's no action like the conductor. Like the conductor's. Like that's my dream job, be a conductor. But you watch the conductor, his eyes are all on the symphony. He's not, he's not about himself. He's about everyone playing their part, everyone together. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our conductor. Sometimes they say, okay, you need to step it up. Oh, slow down, slow down, slow down. Step it up. Oh, easy, easy, easy. You need to speak up. You need to be quiet. You just, the Holy Spirit will just, he'll conduct and he'll, he'll help us and direct us because we need direction. We have our flesh attached to us. So the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'm going to direct you. I'm going to conduct. And those who play, play to the conductor's directions so that the entire symphony can play what the director envisions and will sound like what the conductor knows they can sound like. Now, if we're not playing according to the conductor, if you're in a symphony and you're not playing according to the conductor, it won't be too long till someone finds out. Even the conductor will notice it. In the same way, if I'm not playing according to the truth, if I'm not playing according to the Holy Spirit, it's going to be found out. And if I'm not playing according to the truth of God, and I, I come to worship him, as we did tonight, we come to worship him in song, and if I'm not playing according to his direction, something is just not set. Like the conductor is saying, hang on, wait a minute. You were just not playing according to my direction, but now you're like this. You've you got to be one or the other. you got to choose. You, you cannot just be one way in worship and then a different way out there in the world because the world is watching. So how you are with me in a corporate worship setting, this is how you're supposed to be out there in the world. That's, that's who I'm creating you to be. See, if I'm not in tune with the Holy Spirit, then my worship to him is out of tune. And so he wants to encourage us so that we're in tune with him. And if we're in tune with him, it doesn't matter what's happening on the platform. If you're out of tune, then you're going to say, oh, I cannot worship tonight. Why? Because so-and-so is leading. I get a hard time uh, listening to that person preach the gospel. Oh, oh, I don't like this song. Oh, I cannot worship with this song. This song is, oh, this song is old. I don't like worship to this song. It's so old. It's like 80s. Oh, I don't want to worship. Oh, I like this song. I can worship. I love this song. It's my favorite song. I can worship. See, now you're worshiping according to how you feel and what you want. But when you're walking in tandem with the Holy Spirit and he's conducting your life, you can walk into a worship setting. It could be not that, the, you know, it's not the best type of music or maybe there's some mistakes here and there. It doesn't phase you because you're worshiping the king of all kings. Music is not moving your worship. A type of song is not moving your worship. A worship leader is not moving your worship. And although important, all these things important, 
What should move your worship is who God is. That he's conducting our worship unto him. He's the conductor. Will we have mistakes on words and, and worship leaders making mistakes, band making mistakes, wrong phrase, wrong song? Yeah, those things will happen. And it should never mess up our worship unto God. We're going to mess up in life. That should never mess up our worship unto God. See, if the Holy Spirit is conducting and he's directing, even if there's a little hiccup and you keep your eyes on the conductor, in an instant, you're back on track. Rather than focusing on the mistake, rather than focusing on what they did or what he said or she said or what's happening around you, your, your eyes are on the Holy Spirit who is the conductor. He's the one that's directing us. That we're not walking in the flesh, we're now moving in his spirit. We're walking by the spirit. So the question is, are you playing to the leading of the conductor or are you playing your own tune? I love the story about the, uh, it, was a, it was a rehearsal and halfway through the rehearsal, the guy playing the piccolo, he's thinking, nobody notices the piccolo. I mean, in all of this, this harmony and, and this symphonic power, no one's going to recognize if I'm done, if I'm not even playing. So he stopped playing. And no one recognized. You really couldn't hear it. Except that the conductor said, stop, stop. And everyone stopped. And he says, where's my piccolo? Where's my piccolo? The guy's like, oh, here I am. Why did you stop? I thought I wasn't going to be heard. I can hear you. Now play, piccolo man. And so they started again. See, other people may not notice it. Other people may not notice your, the, the little note tune that you're playing. But the conductor does. The Holy Spirit knows exactly when you stop or when you call it quits and you say, ah, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust you anymore. I don't believe in you. He says, stop. Where's my piccolo? <laughs> uh, you can choose another instrument if you want. But the Holy Spirit is saying, where are you? Oh, I didn't think you'd notice me. Oh, the conductor notices. He notices exactly what we do, where we are, when we move, when we breathe, getting up, sitting down, because he's our conductor. He helps us along the way. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. He's our helper. John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Everything that I've said to you, he's going to bring to remembrance. See, there's one common thread you're going to find in the book of Acts. When the early church was being birthed, you're going to see a common thread through, through the book of Acts. And it was the conducting of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit making and, and helping along the way and moving each person towards God's very best and advancing the kingdom of God. It was the conducting of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that was moving. We learned a couple weeks ago that the Holy Spirit, that Greek word is parakletos. Parakletos means the advocate, the comforter. The one who was sent to help us. The advocate. It's like the person, you know when you have an advocate for a, a let's just say there's a charity and someone is the advocate. They're the one supporting that, commu that community event or that charity. It's the advocate. That person is advocating what that event is, what that charity is. That's the support the person is giving. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. He supports you. He builds you up. 
He watches out for you. He directs you. See, God is one. And God is going to send us who he is through his spirit. We call it the, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, we kind of abbreviate it by saying the Trinity. Is the word Trinity in the Bible? No, it's not. We just use that word to describe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because some people say, well, if the word Trinity is not in the Bible, if it's not there, then why are you using it? Well, we use it so that we can abbreviate God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's just a faster way of saying it. You don't see stop sign in the Bible, yet you stop. So the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He's the helper. He's the one that's going to come alongside of us. And his function is to be our advocate, the comforter. So if you ever find yourself in an uncomfortable situation because you're following the Spirit of God, guess what's going to happen? If you're uncomfortable because you're following his Spirit, then the comforter will come. The comforter never comes if you're comfortable already. You don't need to be comforted. If you're comfortable already, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable in, in what I'm doing and I'm comfortable. I, I don't need anything. I'm comfortable. Okay, then you're comfortable. But if you're uncomfortable because you're trying to follow the Lord, then the Holy Spirit comes because he's the comforter. You belong to him. You're not in the flesh. You are in the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit's function his role must be respected. I mean, if you look throughout the, the early church, boy, they were doing things against the Holy Spirit and they paid the price. And Paul was saying, this is the Holy Spirit. You don't, it's, it's not like, you, like, like someone you just kind of rely on. He's your director. He's showing you the way. The, paraclete, the parakletos. And so what is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit? And how are we filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit when it comes to conducting by the Holy Spirit? How, do, how are we led by the Holy Spirit when he conducts us? Well, let's just look at this area of worship. Because it is the Holy Spirit that will direct your worship and my worship. As John 4, 23 says, and 24, but the hour cometh, I'm reading the King James Version, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers Excuse me, let me read that again. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Okay, we hear that often. Spirit and in truth. Can you just say that real quick? Spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Must worship him. The Bible is not using the word can, that they can worship him in spirit and truth. They must worship him in spirit and truth. You and I must worship God in spirit and truth. We must. He's saying you're the true worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth. That word truth is a word aletheia, the Greek word aletheia. The root word to that is alethes which means loving the truth, speaking the truth, or truthful, that you love the truth. You just love truth. Now, we love certain things. But when the Bible says you love truth, it means that you understand 
the difference between what is true and what is not true. What is of God and what is not of God. That you love truth. As John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. See, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you unto all truth, which tells us truth needs a guide. We need to be guided into truth. Otherwise, we, we, we can kind of bend truth a little bit. We can, we can manipulate it so that it fits us unless we have a guide. If we have a guide unto all truth, then when we feel like, oh, we're kind of on edge, like, oh, I'm kind of bending the truth, the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, no, this is the way. Yeah, but I feel this. And it's like the Holy Spirit grabs us by our collar and says, okay, hang on. What you're saying is you understand that this is the straight and narrow, that this, you're, following, you're following me. But you want to go this route. So what you need to understand is you're going to pay those consequences. That's, that's your route. Yeah, but you forgive me. You love me. Yes, I do, which is truth. But I'm trying to direct you, as the Holy Spirit would say, I'm trying to direct you this way. But your flesh is trying to take you that way. So you just need to understand that when you go that road, after a while, you, you will still find truth. Because the truth is going to continue to bother you because of the spirit of the living God. In other words, if you try to do something that is against God, thinking you're going to have fun, you won't even enjoy it when you get there. You're not even going to enjoy it. Because all that time you're going to feel the Holy Spirit just nagging at you saying, you shouldn't have gone that route. I told you not to go that route. Yeah, but now, you know, I'm, I, I'm here because of you. I don't blame me. You did not listen to me. I told you to go this route. And we can play that with God, but really God is saying, I'm truth. You got to love truth. You have to want truth. That you're, you're loving truth. And it's more than just how, when, you know when we had our first car? Like we fell in love with the car. It, it could have been a beaten up car, but it got you to where you needed to go. And gas was cheap when you first got your new car unless you live today and, you know, gas is expensive. But you got your first car. You fell in love with it. And it was the most ugliest car. It was rusty. It didn't have the best upholstery in it, but it got you where you needed to go. All you did is like, put a towel over it and just try to make it as nice as possible. Go to Walmart, grab an air freshener, put it all in your car. It's like, yeah, it's my car. Hang a little tree on it so it smells even better. You try to duke it up. And if you're Filipino, you hang dice or feathers and you put all this fur all over the place. And you're like, that's my car. And you, you, put, you put things in it that makes you feel like this is my car. You paint it with spray paint or roll-on paintbrush, and you, you, you try to make it as best as possible because you love that car. That was your car. Or you call it your beach car. That's, that's, you just loved that car. What the Bible is saying is if you have that kind of love for a car, you're loving your car. You, you want the best for your car. You're trying to make it as best as possible. So when you love truth, you want the best as possible. You don't want just a little bit of the truth. You want the entire truth. You don't want just like how the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You don't want like a little bit of the truth. You don't want just a portion of the truth and you shall know a little bit of the truth and the truth shall make you almost free. You're a little bit of free. You got some freedom. You can get out of the house once in a while. You want the whole truth so that you can be wholly free. In its entirety, you don't want to be a little bit set free. 
so that when the Holy Spirit conducts you, you can kind of choose and, oh, I, I, not tonight. Not tonight. Tonight, we're going to party. So there's, not tonight. Not tonight, Holy Spirit. Not tonight. I'm going to do this tonight. Tomorrow, get church. So I'm going to repent tomorrow. But tonight is party. So I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then I'll follow you later. Because that's what we do. And we know that when the Holy Spirit is not conducting, because we just sense it in our spirit. Unless we sear our conscience. And we keep pushing God away. And even though the Holy Spirit is conducting, you're not even a part of the symphony. After a while, you're so distant, you don't even want to be in the symphony. So you find another symphony. A symphony that has no conductor. A symphony that is just people who just follow their own ways. You don't want to be in that symphony. You want to be in God's symphony. You want the Holy Spirit to conduct your life because he knows the way. He knows what's truthful. we got to love truth. See, when we worship him, he's going to conduct us. And that word that is used when, it's, when the Bible says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And when you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. When you know the truth, when you know the truth, that word know, it's part, part of it is knowledge. But they also use this word, ginosko, which is a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. In other words, remember in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, the Bible says Adam knew his wife Eve and then they had their child. It was that intimacy. So when the Bible says you shall know the truth in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Bible is not only talking about a knowledge that you shall know the truth. The Bible is saying there's an intimacy with the truth. There's a oneness with the truth. There is a relationship with the truth. Because truth is a person. God is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. Jesus is truth. So when you know God, when you know the Holy Spirit, when you know Jesus, when you have that intimate relationship with God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's what makes you free. Because now you're being conducted by the Holy Spirit. That's the best freedom possible. Some of us think, well I, don't, well, I don't want to be conducted or controlled. It's not about being controlled. Controlling is a whole, a whole different thing. Being directed is a partnership. Being directed is in cooperation with. Control means I do and you just follow. Whatever I say, you must do. There is no cooperation. There's a forcing. God doesn't force anything on us. He says, I want this relationship. You shall know the truth. You shall have an intimate relationship with the truth. And the truth will set you free. And so the Holy Spirit will conduct our worship. Because God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's just take a look at this worship area. Because worship can be almost subjective where whatever you feel, then that's your worship. And we got to be very careful when it comes to worship. Because God is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be worshipped. 
when we come into the presence of God together as the body of Christ, there is a difference between praising him and worshiping him. Now, here's the difference. Anyone can praise God. Anyone can. Praise means I'm thankful for what God has done. That's what praise is. I praise you. Why? Because I'm thankful for what you have done. That's what praise is. Praise is what God has done. Worship is about who God is. Has nothing to do with he, what he did. Has nothing to do with how you feel. Has nothing to do with you being thankful. You've already, praise is being thankful to God. Worship is who God is. So my worship to God should never change based on how I feel. My worship to God should always be because of who he is. That's why we need the conductor, the Holy Spirit. There are going to be times where we don't feel like worshiping God. Then don't worship him with your feelings. You can praise God with your feelings because you're thankful. You can praise him. Anyone can praise God. That's why the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Sinner or saint can praise the Lord. Someone who's far from God or close to God can praise the Lord. But those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're not walking in spirit and truth, very hard to worship God. Virtually impossible. You can still praise him. But if you're not walking in spirit and in truth, hard to worship him. Why? Because it's still bothering you. That I'm not worshiping you in spirit and in truth. It's just all up front. It's just on the outside now. There's nothing inside of substance. When the Holy Spirit conducts, you don't wait till you come here to worship him. You're worshiping him at home. You're worshiping him with your lifestyle. You're worshiping him with what you watch, what you do. You're worshiping that way. So when you come here, it doesn't matter what's happening here. It doesn't matter if we have a, a, a great song or not. It doesn't phase your worship. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, praise being all about what God has done, we understand that because we praise each other. Like when you do something great at home, someone thanks you for, they're praising you. They're saying thank you. Like when I make the bed, Heidi says thank you. When I wash the dishes, Heidi says thank you. I didn't tonight, so when I go home, I need to because I made a mess before we came here. But when I go home and I do it, there's a praise, there's a thank you. When I hang clothes, sometimes it's a praise because it's like, did you, did you hang those clothes? I was like, yeah. Well, I can tell. I, I just, like when I hang clothes, I just need it to dry. It's not a fashion show. I just want it to dry. So Heidi says, well, you're hanging it wrong because when you wear clothes, now your clothes are all crooked. I'm like, oh, I got it. I got it. It makes sense now. I just figure I got to dry. So she's thankful when I do certain things except hang clothes, but now, now I, can. I can hang clothes better. You're thankful because someone did something. You praise them. When your children come home and they did well on their grades, you praise them. When they did their chores or they, they did their homework, you praise them. Anyone can praise. Anyone can praise God. Anyone can thank God. But to worship him, only those who worship him in spirit and in truth are able to worship him. 
Worship is about who God is. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, we need the Holy Spirit's direction to worship him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because truth needs a guide. We need to be guided into our worship to God. That's why at certain times you're going to feel that. You're going to feel the pull between your flesh and your spirit. Your spirit is saying, boy, I'm so thankful for God and I just want to worship you. I thank you for being my, my father. It's almost like you, your flesh doesn't know what to do because the spirit is saying, just come into the presence of God. Lift your hands before your king. Lift your head before your maker. Clap your hands, all you people. But you don't want to. But the spirit is saying, the Holy Spirit is conducting you and saying, God deserves that. He deserves your applaud. He deserves your very best. He deserves how you say when there's a touchdown, your hand goes up. He deserves your hands going up. He deserves that. He's worthy to be praised. Worship is about who God is, not how you feel. You're always going to have those, the tension between flesh and spirit. May the spirit win. Because the spirit is conducting. And you want the Holy Spirit to conduct in spirit and in truth. And according to John 4, only those who are connected to God by the Holy Spirit can worship him. The Father looks for the true worshipers. And if we're not operating in truth and spirit, hard to worship God. I pray that we would learn that the Holy Spirit would be our conductor. That tonight, that would be our prayer. Holy Spirit, be our conductor. Direct me. Because we're not walking in the flesh. We walk in the spirit. That's who God made us to be. Amen. You can close your Bibles and we're going to pray and then we're just going to conclude with our worship to God. That he's the everlasting God. Would you bow your heads for a moment as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for being our Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for conducting, for directing us. We thank you for showing up. We thank you for giving us your spirit so that we can be led by your spirit, filled with your spirit, so that we can move by your spirit. Father, we know that there are things that happen in our lives every single day. That according to your good works, all things will be possible. Everything you see, Lord, in our lives, may it come to pass. Holy Spirit, guide us. Mold us and shape us to look just like you. Conduct us tonight so that we will never forget who you are, that you're worthy to be praised, and you're worthy to be worshipped. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. We all said, amen. I'm going to ask the band to come out, the entire worship team. Would you stand with me tonight? And as we, as we sing this song, it's about who God is. It's not about how you feel, what you're going through. With everything we just learned, that maybe God would say, as the Holy Spirit conducts, let him. Let him do what he does best. He's going to conduct, he's going to show up, and he's going to direct your heart in which way it should go. I'm going to ask you to do something a little uncomfortable for some of you guys. Just lift your hands, just real quick, lift your hands. Just lift your hands before God. Just hold them up. That was easy, wasn't it? 
was easy. Tonight might be your first step to raising your hands unto God. But when the Holy Spirit directs, then you lift your hands to him. Because God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy of our very best. You can put your hands down. And let's just sing unto our Lord. Praise him and worship him. Can we say amen to that?